Welcome to episode three of Mon Men. I am Yanato Baloo here I'm with still Michael Darling, and I'm stepping on Baloo's words. Uh, it's okay. But we are here with the third episode of Mon Men, continuing our trek through the entire Pokedex to give you our thoughts on the various Pokemon uh, and our other takes on them in the real world. Um, so today we'll be going through uh, the next three species families. Uh, that'll take us through Pokemon numbers 19 through 24, the Rattata family, the Spearow family, and the Ekans families, even though all of these three are just dual evolution types. So uh, a bit of a single evolution, well, dual yeah. stage. Yeah, dual stage, single evolution. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so darling... I'll let you start off. Uh, what are your thoughts on our first ratty Pokemon? God. Well, first, Rattata, which is a normal type first encounter in Route 1. Rattata sets up this interesting archetype that you will see in every generation of Pokemon. Every generation early on in the game, there is some sh like mediocre rodent Pokemon that has normal type and has a single evolution. Like, you'll get Sentret in Gen 2. Uh, in Gen 7, there's Young Goose, who we'll be bringing up again in a moment because it has a close relation to the Rattata line. Uh, Gen 5, no, Gen 4 has my favorite Bidoof, which is a very stupid-looking mouse that evolves into an even stupider-looking beaver. So this is the first time that we see this thing that the Pokemon company comes back to every time. Game Freaks decides we're going to have another one of these mediocre rodents that's just going to be there. Yeah, I mean, I will say that as mediocre of Pokemon as it is, it's just, you know, it's really there on your, amongst your first encounters with Pokemon just to teach you how to fight in a very low-risk encounter and, you know, just to fill out your Pokedex a little bit. Um, you know, I will say that for what it is, it's just trying to be a cute rat. It accomplishes that completely. <laughs> you know, these things are, uh, they're very simply designed and, you know, touch on the young goose thing and do my usual thing bringing it into the real world the pokedex does note that in alola and we'll touch on the alolan form in a moment but in alola uh the young goose were actually introduced to the uh environment to counteract ratata overpopulation in alola um, which is something that actually has happened in the real world where human settlers have introduced new species of animals and those introduced species become rampant pests mm. um well, in fact, in, it is a direct one-for-one -one comparison in that in Hawaii, which Alola is based off of, they brought in mongoose to take down the rat population. Yeah, my immediate thought was uh, dingoes in Australia. Those are wild dogs that got away from early settlers in Australia, and then now they've become uh, an absolute plague on the uh, ecosystem there. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, going back Ooh. to Australia, and another example that I know you're very familiar with on an encyclopedic level, darling, uh, that classic episode of The Simpsons where Bart loses a frog. Yes, yes, <laughs> the cane toad, which is based on an actual thing. Like, the cane toad population just grew to an insane level in Australia, and I think it basically became legal to kill every cane toad you saw on site. Yeah, so kind of which, getting so getting back to the Alolan form of the Rattata, this is, a, this is an interesting one for us because it's also the first time that we have a, uh, well, this isn't our first Alolan form. But no, this is our first it Alolan is, form. It is, yeah. So, in Gen 7, in Sun and Moon, they introduced the Alolan forms, where they took several, for some reason, all Gen 1 Pokemon, uh, and created entirely new versions of them. Like, this is, it's biodiversity. This is how the Pokemon evolved, not in the sense of transforming into another monster, but evolved naturally, adapted mm -hmm. to their landscape, and they adapted differently in Alola than they have literally everywhere else in the Pokemon world. Yeah, Charles Darwin is breathing very heavily right now. Um, <laughs> they finally got evolution right. <laughs> but I mean, like the uh, the other thing. So I did my so I did a little bit of research in the Pokedex entries and the oh, Rattata. The just wanted to say the Alolan Rattata is dark slash normal, mm -hmm. which this is our first dark encounter. We're not going to get a dark Pokemon again. Well, we'll get a lone Meowth, but we won't get any dark Pokemon in the proper 151 originals. Yeah, I feel like I would be remiss to remind people that, again, this is another example of, you know, you, this is a dark Pokemon in a variant form, 
but this is a dark Pokemon that didn't become potentially dark until later on. Now, some interesting notes on this is that in the Alolan Islands, you can evolve a regular Raticate into a dark Alolan Raticate if you evolve it at night. Really? I did yes. not realize that. looked it up online. Huh. So, the other interesting note is that purely in the moon Pokedex entry for Rattata and Raticate in Alola, the Rattata, apparently they have like this herd thing where they like, all the Rattata serve a King Raticate. Yeah. And bring it food. <laughs> in fact, it's described as being a boss, which the note I have here is Alolan Raticate looks like Brando in The Godfather. Oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's fat. It's got those big puffy cheeks. It's just like it's ugly. Like the regular Raticate is terrifying, but the Alolan one just takes it to another level. It's not so much terrifying as it's just like a fat bastard. Yeah, and so this episode is going to be pretty heavy on me taking digs at our lovable loser from the show, Ash Ketchum. <laughs> um, because another note on Pokedex entries while we're on the subject of that is that the show's Pokedex entry gets a little sassy with Ash oh, yeah. in one of his first episodes where a Rattata steals his food and the Pokedex entry actually points out that Rattata are just like, you know, kind of harm harmless field mice that steal food from <laughs> stupid travelers. And it puts <laughs> emphasis on that, which made me think that the Pokedex had a bit of AI to it at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just remember Ash actually getting mad at his little Pokedex at the time. So yeah, so mm -hmm. we're just getting in there. And an interesting theme that I noticed with this episode, because I always ask about the shiny forms of all these Pokemon, mm -hmm. the vast majority of the Pokemon that we're going to deal with today, until I say otherwise, all of them have green shiny forms, at least in their official shiny yeah, forms. Yeah, green or like a little bit yellowy, I think. It's very, yeah, it's yeah. a very mottled green or a form that, or a color that could be compared to green, like a very greenish gray, for example, I think in the Ekans form. Yes, although I think the... Arbok goes full gold, which is very pretty. But yeah, like for the most part, these are not exactly interesting shinies. When there is an interesting shiny, we will definitely bring it up. But and then, this week, pretty mediocre. Still fun if you find one, because obviously, but yeah. Yeah, and one more real world equivalency comes in New York's eco unique <laughs> ecosystem where I grew up. Um, in the Innova they, region? Yep, the, the Innova region. There's actually, we'll get to this in the Pokemon fan theory section, but there is a yeah. fan theory that, uh, that one of the Pokemon games actually takes place in an alternate version of New York. Preview for that episode. <laughs> um, but, the, but there is a Pokedex entry for Pokemon Yellow that notes that if you see one Rattata, there are always at least 40 nearby. Yep. Yep. Um, that's just how it is growing up in New York. If you see a single <laughs> mouse, you know that your building is already infested with a few hundred others. So you're uh, saying there's a pizza Rattata. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think that's the viral hit of the uh, Johto region. <laughs> um, and they discussed that Officer Jenny probably staged it or something like oh, that. <laughs> it was an inside job. So, uh, touching on the size of this thing, you know, we're dealing with a... It makes, This might sound like a large rat uh, on first blush, that it is a foot-long, foot-tall rat. Um, but really and truly, if you're not... If you didn't grow up in the city, if you were exposed to country settings, uh, you know... It's not that large a rat, but when we get to Raticate, obviously it doubles in size. Mm -hmm. So let's. So are we ready to move on to Raticate? Well, then? there's a couple things I want okay. to say about our rat friend here. Please. Uh, so, youngster Joey, youngster Joey is an icon of the world of Pokemon because he has a Rattata, and he will call you repeatedly in gold, well, in heart gold and soul silver to tell you this. His Rattata, which is literally his only Pokemon, he's the first Prangu you fight in gold and silver. And he will call you many times when you get his phone number in Heart Gold and Soul Silver mm -hmm. to remind you that his Rattata is in the top percentage. Wow! God bless you, Joey. That's uh, that's that's called being the best loser. Yeah, kind of like Ash Ketchum. Yeah. <laughs> Who's better? I think Ash is actually better than Joey, if only because Ash manages to realize he needs more than one Pokemon. True, true, true. But I mean, we're also going to touch on the fact that Ash, again in this episode, gives away. So many of his Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, also, Twitch plays Pokemon, which, if you don't remember this, it was the greatest thing because someone set up a Twitch chat so that whenever you entered a button press, like on a Game Boy button press, as it were, it would do that action in Pokemon Red, I think is what they were playing. And so, there was the infamous character Digrat, a rat that knew Dig and would cause them to dig out of the worst situations 
such as they finally beat Giovanni in Silfco, and they were going to get the Silfco, but then they dug out, and they had to make their way back to Silfco, back through the maze, back to Giovanni, just so they could grab this item. And I will always think of Digrat whenever I think of Radita. I can't not <laughs> enjoy that image. Um, okay, so moving on to Raticate. And because I really want to touch on this, um, Ash Ketchum was the owner of Eradicate for about half an episode of Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> I found I found this I found I was reminded of this in researching for this episode that there that when Ash wrote on the SS Anne, um, that he briefly traded his Butterfree for Eradicate just because it beat his Butterfree in a fight. And of course, lovable loser that he is, mm -hmm. he traded back for his Butterfree. I'm gonna defend Ash for a moment. This will be a rare occurrence, but mm -hmm. I think Ash is an 11-year-old idiot, and I think all of us who are 11-year-old idiots, at some point we were like, oh yeah, I'll trade my beloved Charizard or something for your Diglett, let's say. You know, some stupid trade like that. And so luckily for Ash, the older gentleman who he traded the Butterfree to was like, oh, I recognize that you're an idiot, so I will give you back the Butterfree. I mean, yes, but I will also say that it became a running joke in the show that two seasons later, when he was supposed to be preparing for the Pokemon League, it became a running joke that he just could not focus and actually train his Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Like, he would just always go off on some stupid misadventure. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. Is like that early on, he's on the SS and I think that's, for, that's first season. No, oh, yeah. Because he gave up his Butterfree and let it run away with Pink Butterfree, as we, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's also the fact that, like, you can get Eradicate as easily as leveling up your Pokemon to level 20. Yeah. Like, if you really want Eradicate, it's not that hard. Just catch yourself a Rattata and train it up. Yeah. Um, so, Eradicate, touching on the size thing... And I just want to say that I, I mentioned that, I, that I'm a fan of the Rattata design for what it is. It's a rat, it's mm. cute, it's pink, it's purple. It has just the right like yeah. hint of mischief to it while still being like, you know, it's got like an artful dodger type yeah. of thing going on. Whereas the Lowland one is straight up like, it walks on two legs and it's like, it's got a little mustache. So oh, yeah. you know like, okay, this guy's probable. Oh yeah. I absolutely. had one briefly when I was playing Sun and Moon that I nicknamed as Massey. <laughs> But yeah, the Raticate, on the other hand, I hate that design. I'm just going to come out and say it. I hate the Raticate design. The classic design. one? Yeah, it's a chonker. It's oh, yeah. It, like, for some reason, it has no chin. It's just, it's basically like a shark rat. Like, I just don't understand. Yeah. And Darling, I'm sorry that we're not doing this on video because Darling just made a Raticate face at me. And it took all my composure not to laugh out loud. I was impressed. I was impressed. Oh, I just had to stare. I had to stare down the beast. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, the Alolan form, I think, is an improvement because it's more comical-looking than it is, like, abomination. But, I mean, I, th I, I, I think that's them leaning into the fact that, like, this doesn't look like anything in the real world, which I can come back to in a second. Mm. But, you know, both of those forms just don't really hearken me back to any actual rodents. Um, but, you know, touching on the size of it... Raticate doubles in size from a Rattata. Raticate in the Pokedex is identified as being about two feet in height, which sounds big for a rodent, but there is a real-world rodent from my native homeland of Trinidad that is about that same size. It's called an Aguti. That's spelled A-G-O-U-T-I. Um, and I think Copybar are actually comparably sized. But Capybara is a bigger but i don't know how big because like they're the biggest rodents so you've got these comparable sized rodents yeah. in the real world like rodents that big actually exist except whereas like eradicates just like this frightening tooth monster yeah it's just a frightening tooth monster that's just like a big bubble of a tooth <laughs> monster um the agouti and capybara if you've never seen them they're fairly sleek rodents like yeah. they just look they basically look like what ferret like imagine a ferret but with longer legs yeah they are um, noble looking beasts you yep. ever see that photo of like a monkey climbing on top of a capybara and it's just not it's indifferent it's just sitting there and it's like okay cool no cool. i haven't but i want to see this it's now. adorable animal friendships yay but yeah so in terms of weird evolutions and i'm gonna i'm gonna put my vote on for this being the weirdest evolution of the day hmm. the fat well no i'm gonna hold that i'm gonna actually yeah, hold that yeah, off for the next evolution point to that um but it is it does give 
the Spearow to Fearow evolution a good run for its money hmm. in that this Pokemon's evolution is that it doubles in size and loses its chin and neck <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, also, speaking of the teeth, according to the gold Pokedex, it can even topple concrete buildings by gnawing on them. Which, again, sounds to me like 11-year-olds who are making stuff up to trick the professors, but, like, that's ridiculous. That's... That's just insane. They've got those mega chonker teeth. And that they're supposedly felling buildings. Now, I have Googled, just to show Darling this, I've Googled Shiny Raticate to try to find what the hell this thing is colored as. And it it's doesn't... I'm not seeing anything that's differently colored, too differently colored. So I've like... So I, in my notes, I call it the Nantucket Red of Shiny Pokemon. <laughs> which is to say it's just a faded color from its usual color schema. Like, yeah. It's basically the red hair to brown hair. That's the entire difference. Um, so this is the exception that I found to the rule today in terms of most of our shinies today being green. Raticate goes from being a brunette to being a ginger. This just kind of validates in my notes that once again, I firmly believe that whoever designed the Raticate just hates it. Like <laughs> this is just a throwaway goddamn design. They were just like, let me just draw a fucking circle, put some teeth on it, and here's some hair. And I just can't, and I think that that contempt just shows through even in the shiny form. Yeah. Uh, the one upside, I'd say, to these two rats is that they have Super Fang and Hyper Fang, which the Japanese names of those moves are amazing. Hyper Fang, which will damage you at a normal rate, and there's a 10% chance of making the opponent flinch. It's called Certain Kill Fang in Japanese, which is an amazing name and not at all accurate, because... It's not a certain kill, it's only a like, good hit and flinch. And then Super Fang, which is called Hatred Fang in Japanese. That's some dynastic demon shit. Yeah, that's the one that is guaranteed to hit for half of the current HP of the opponent, as well as be able to hit ghosts, which normally are immune to normal attacks. That's fantastic. Yeah, so Super Fang is a wonderful move for an ugly-ass Pokemon. And I mean, that makes it useful, at least as far as the challenge of going to Lavender Town and catching yourself your first mm. ghost Pokemon, which, as we've noted, was not nearly as useful as it should have been in that psychic-dominated Gen 1, but <laughs> yeah. you still wanted one to at least have some kind yeah. of, you know, base immunity to psychics. Especially um, since it's going to be guaranteed half every time, half of their current HP. That means that you can just whittle it down and not worry about knocking it out. So that's all I really have to say about the stupid Rattata and yeah. Raticate Pokemon for now. Uh, so moving on to our next pair of flying Pokemon, Spearow. Um, you know, we kind of hit the other half of a dichotomy here. You know, last episode we talked about the fact that um, Caterpie and Weedle have this kind of dichotomy. Very much the same thing in the TV show and in the early designs of these Pokemon. Spearow, Pidgey are kind of like the, uh, the Coke and Pepsi. Like yeah. the first bird Pokemon that you meet. Yeah, although Spearow is only a single evolution. So, yeah, which yeah. I thought was also kind of in its own way setting that dichotomy up. It's like you have this cool, fun, you know, bird with the good hair, and then you have like... This angry asshole of a bird yeah. that evolves into a flying chicken. Flying vulture, I think. It was well, it's got that chicken neck and the little waddle, too. Oh, well, it has a coxcomb, but yeah, I mean, the, neck, the neck is straight up, like, it's straight up vulture, yeah, is what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, so, normal flying, first encountered Route 3. And I liken it very much to the, um, to the same dichotomy that we pointed out in the design of Weedle and Caterpie, where, you know, Caterpie's all fun, friendly circles and things like <laughs> that. Pidgey versus Spearow, you're not seeing as many circles necessarily, but you're seeing a lot less spikiness yeah. and aggressive angles. Um, you know, Spearow just has, like, the ruffles around its neck. And plus, also, I think the color contrast, like, the fact that it has, like, much more aggressive color contrast with, like, certain red plumage and oh, black and black, plumage. yeah. Like, it's just automatically set up to be an angrier-looking Pokemon. Yeah. Um, well, even in uh, Gen 7, there are moments where, if you're walking, there might be uh, shadows flying above the ground. And oh, so, wow. sometimes at the Spearow, they'll just descend, which seems so like them. Mm -hmm. Does doesn't Ash get attacked by Spearow at one point? It I feel like he did, so but I don't is, remember if it happened. Yeah, so that is um so that is where like I think it's in maybe if it isn't in the first episode, it's in the second episode, but it's before it's before he meets Misty. It's how Misty lat eventually latches onto him or why is that 
he when Pikachu and he aren't getting along at first, oh, yes, he yeah. throws a rock trying to weaken a Pokemon himself. Um, he accidentally throws it at a Spearow, <laughs> and then he has to flee with Pikachu. Um, and he steals Misty's bike to help them fly, to help them uh, run away. And then Pikachu using a Thunder Blast to kill all the Spearow. I'm just gonna say, he kill Pikachu, Pikachu murked all those birds. <laughs> there was Kentucky Fried Spearow that night. Yeah, because Ash somehow ended up with a herd of Tauros after the Safari Zone, but no flock of Spearow after that uh, <laughs> after that Spearow roast. Um, but yeah, so that is how he destroyed her bike, and then she. That's why she followed him around for the next four years, waiting for him to pay her back. He's using air quotes there. Um, yeah, the girl, girl was thirsty. The girl, <laughs> girl was thirsty for that catch him. Why though? Um, oh, lovable she can loser. Do so much better. We live in LA. We could say that about a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, it's interesting to note though that um, that in the Pokedex entries in reviewing this, every Pokedex entry notes that Spiro is not a good flyer. Yeah, it's quote inept at flying. Yeah, that's a very. That's just very uh, disappointed mom Pokedex entry right there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's weird because like it says it can fly high and fast, but it has to be fluttering its wings like hummingbird speed, basically. Oh well, it says it's very like yeah. Some couple of the entries even say that, like it has great difficulty flying at high, mm -hmm. at like great heights, but what it can do is fly around the area to protect its nests and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and this is another one. This is another case, just like with the Rattata. This is a single evolution, dual stage. It evolves once at level twenty, and it becomes a Fero. Um, and so, this is another one of the cases of the shiny Pokemon version being green. It's a chicken, case. I tell you, a giant chicken. It's a giant green chicken. This is where you get green eggs and ham from. It's from shiny Spearow, apparently. You get the green ham from a bird. Yep. <laughs> I think you get it from like a. Uh, maybe a shiny spoink, but I don't know what color a shiny spoink is off the top of my head, but we'll find out. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad you told me that spoink is a Pokemon because if it had been brought, if that word had been used in another context, I would have thought it was something completely. Oh, different. it's this cute little pig that is. It's got a ball on its head and a curly cute tail, and it keeps bouncing. And then the Pokedex makes you sad because it says if it ever stops bouncing, it dies. I thought a spoink was something that I had to make sure I had consent for my girlfriend for before I did it. Hey, <laughs> hey! This is an adult podcast. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so I don't really have a whole lot else to say about the Spearow, except it's a really good case of, again, creating, like, a fun sort of... I mean, you know, again, we're still in the Pokemon that you encounter in the first two hours of the game. Yeah. Like, the first time you boot up. Mm. Um, I think it's fun that you have, like, a cool option to kind of, like, define yourself within the game in terms of whether you're blue or red and say, I have the team of the angry-looking badasses. I've got my Weedle, I've got my Spearow. If you're really going for, like, a team aesthetic. Yeah. Um, you've or, got your Raticate. Or if you're just trying to emulate Ash, you've got your Caterpie, you've got your Pidgey. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, Depends Ash decidedly took all the friendly options. Yeah. And Mostly you, because the angry ones attack him. Yeah, and if you want to play, and if you want to play well, you don't do what Ash does. You get all of them. But yes. point, being, <laughs> point being, it's cool that there is this, already amongst the first 20-some Pokemon that we've gone through, there is this aesthetic variance. Even if yeah. I don't like all of them, I think I've already come down pretty hard on some of our Bulba Boy evolutions. I didn't like them, their designs. I thought they were gross, but that's my take. Um, and, you know, I've already said that I hate Raticate. It's clearly, like, just the most obligatory evolution ever. And Darling is again doing the face at me. Yeah, it's um, like the Monty Python bit with the sharp, pointy teeth. Yeah, but, you know, I think, you know, what the, uh, the odd thing is, is that while Spearow is just, like, Angry Boy, and I like the Spearow design. I think it's, yeah, it's I think a it's great really Angry Boy. Good. It's very Angry Boy. It's very cool what it does, you know. Dissonance of the Pokedex entry and the fact that it apparently is not a good flyer aside, I do think it's a really cool design. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the plumage color variation is very, it's just, you know, very interesting in terms of a look. Um, and I just really like it. It just looks, it reminds me of my angry uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but then it grows up, it gets fat, except for its thin little neck, but somehow mm -hmm. it becomes a great flyer. Three yeah. feet long, uh, which is about the size of a California condor or a Goliath heron. Mm -hmm. yeah. And just like with the Rattata evolution, I hate the design of the Firo. I mean, I think it's very good at looking angry and mean and all that, but I just think that, like, 
you know, I mentioned that what I love about Spiro's design is that it has such personality. It's got a great color scheme and variation that feels very that feels very natural, but like also very interesting and dynamic. Yeah. And then you and then you just become this big brown long neck bird that's just like elements of cranes, vultures, and all these other real world birds. But and for the most digger. part, but for the most part, it's just this big brown thing. Yeah. Like. It loses so much of what makes it interesting in trying to be a different kind of badass, like, boss-type character. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, in the games, when I've encountered it, it started to look more interesting to me, but I will forever think of Firo in terms of one of the early Pokemon cards from the Jungle expansion, where it just looks like a fat chicken that has been thrown in the air. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just not a good look. Like, there are other ones where it looks more badass... Where it looks more threatening, but that one just looks like a fat chicken that has been thrown in the air. I mean, it's funny that, you know, we are talking about still the first generation, the first 150 Pokemon. And to, on today's episode, I'm going to peg two Pokemon, Raticate and Fear Robe in particular, that really just feel so phoned in, in terms of the design. I mean... I mean, I don't know if I'd agree with you on that. I'd say they're kind of inevitable, but they're not, like... They're, like, the logical progression, but you can't really do much more with it. Until, obviously, we saw that they decided, let's just make a Lowland Raticate Brando. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wonder if, like, especially for these early Pokemon, like, they intentionally designed, and this if this first wave of Pokemon that we're getting to until next episode... Because, again, we're talking about all Pokemon here thus far to today's episode that you find on Routes 1 and 2 in the original Pokemon. Yeah, yeah three in this case also. Three. But still, like, early game. But early game. And so I wonder if, you know, if given the opportunity to redo the Pokedex from the ground up and make certain cuts and eliminations or switch things around, if they might not just make a Spiro a single evolution type hmm. and just make it, like, more hawk-like. Yeah. You know, and I know it's it's clearly, the nomenclature clearly derives from sparrow, and sparrows are not big birds, but mm. I wonder if they might not just go, no, let's just make it a falcon. Let's yeah. just make it a badass I mean, I, falcon. I do like the idea of them creating this angry little bird. That yeah. is funny to me. Yeah, and yeah. I wonder if these Pokemon don't, and these are early level evolutions. These are yeah. level 20. These are evolutions you can hit by the second gym. Yeah, um, you should not have them in your final team. Yeah, so I just wonder if, you know, they, if this isn't, if, some of these weren't just created to give these early Pokemon an evolution that they mm, can move mm -hmm. into that you don't keep past level 25, but that you can hit and make use of up to or maybe through the second or third gym. Yeah, because I don't think we get a like one-stage evolution Pokemon, or no evolution rather, until like in the hundreds. Exactly. So, I could um, be wrong on that, but you know, we will so, find out. So I think that that may be the entire reason for some of the, for you know especially the fact that it's the second stage evolutions that seem kind of wonky and mm. in my in my opinion kind of phoned in until we get their alternate forms later on is you know the fact that they just needed an evolution for them yeah. just and something that looked at least daunting enough in mm. Vero's case to make it worth evolving, um, but I think that there was I think that when you compare the Spiro and Vero pairing to you know, the Pidgey family, there's a lot more love, I think, evident in the design of the Pidgey evolution yes, than I'm sensing in the Spiro suddenly jumping so drastically in terms of aesthetic to oh, the Oh, yeah. Hero. Yeah. Like, like we, they do not look directly related. Yeah, we talked about the fact that Pidgey has a very natural progression in terms of appearance, growth. You know, it gets bigger, its hair gets more fabulous. Um, <laughs> But it is logical. Like, Spiro to Firo is such a drastic change. That neck becomes, like, 20 feet longer in Rattata. The neck disappears. I don't know if Spiro's design takes Rattata's neck and gets it for Firo, but yeah. it doesn't feel as considered and, you know, intentional. Yeah. The one other thing I'll note is that it looks... I'm looking at the original Ken Sugimori design. Mm -hmm. Like the nice kind of watercolor ones from the first generation and it reminds me a little of Moltres like there's a very close relationship to that and I don't think that was intentional or anything mm -hmm. but it's just interesting I mean if you had shown me that picture darling and told me it was a Moltres I would have just bought it like, yeah. on first sight sight unseen 
However, we are dealing with these Pokemon with the Game Boy limitations. So although Ken Sugimori and the team were able to create like great designs in image, they had to be kind of dumbed down so that they were recognizable on the Game Boy's limited technology. Because we're kind of spoiled in that more recent generations have been able to get more elaborate, but they had to really make them simple, direct, and clear like this is an angry bird this is a, a bigger angry bird that kind of thing to really get across on the Game Boy screen I mean I I kind of want to look up the sprite I'm gonna while you're while we're moving on to uh, Ekans mm. our snake boy for the day Ekans we promised we wouldn't do that bit we said we wouldn't do it much Fair enough, we each get one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to move on to the snake Pokemon now. So, I mean, I did some research on different snake sizes for this episode. So starting with Ekans. Ekans is a pretty big snake to begin with. Yeah. Uh, um, first encountered, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. Poison type, Route 4, which is east of Pier City, which I just want to point out that the Gen 1 Pokedex is kind of weird because it jumps a little bit because Pikachu isn't until the next one. It's like number 25, and we're on number 23. And Pikachu's all the way back in Viridian Forest. So yeah, you've encountered was... number 25 before number 23. And if you are as OCD a person as I am, especially as a child, you would have thought that you were missing something in Viridian Forest and walked around for an extra two hours in circles waiting to encounter an Ekans that was not in that forest. And the worst part is that if you were playing blue version, you would never find it because it's red exclusive. This is that our too. first exclusive Pokemon, I think. Thankfully, my mom had mercy on me and got me the strategy guide after two weeks of playing because I was infuriated. Um, but I want to I want to share some snake size facts with you all, um, you know, because I'm I enjoy so far the uh, the real world equivalency, the sizes, and all that sort of thing. So Ekans in the Pokedex is identified as being around six to seven feet long. In the real world, um, and you know, we talk about the scaling of Pokemon being kind of a weird thing from time to time. In this case, they actually took a big old gulp of modesty in the <laughs> designs. Um, and I'll just jump ahead since I'm going through all the sizes. Arbok is 11 feet long, the, the evolved form. And we'll touch on him more in a second, but I just want you guys to have those senses of size in your head. So, you know, you've got a 7-foot snake and an 11-foot snake. Um, you know, those let's are big just, snakes. But... Those are big snakes, but, um, but just for reference. So I focused on the fun snakes that everybody knows and thinks about. So let's the start. The fun snakes? Yeah, the fun snakes. Like, let's start with the coral snake. It's very pretty. It's also known as one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. That They average out at being only two feet long. Only two feet long. So the average length of, say, somebody's arm. Um, you know, you go next to uh, copperheads. That's another badass snake that everybody thinks about. Those, mm -hmm. are, those are three feet long. So that's a full yard. That's about half of an adult human. Um, average adult male. So you get up to something a little bit more badass, like rattlesnakes, and those are eight feet. Okay. Um, which I've never seen a rattlesnake in person. I had no idea they were that long, personally. Um, you get to... Now we get up to the big boys. Boa constrictors are about 15 feet long. My God. Um, King cobras, which, you know, you think of Arbok with its hood and everything like that. You think this 11-foot snake should be the inspiration or inspired by King cobras. King cobras almost double the size of an Arbok at 18 feet long. Um, and then, of course, we have the largest snake in the wild is the reticulated python. And those things get over 30 feet long. Um, Darling is holding up Cordy's squeaky snake toy for me to see. Um, so if you hear a squeaking in a second, that is because Darling has tempted her into biting and squeaking it. Oh, she's being a good girl. She's not making noise. What we're so what's interesting to me here is that we have is that whereas so far we've been dealing with big honking birds, you know, relatively big rats for which we're able to squeeze out real world equivalents. Mm. Um, you know, we're talking about we've been talking about through up to twenty two of these Pokemon. Now we're on number twenty three and twenty four. Yep. We've been talking about Pokemon that we kind of have to kind of, uh, well, they're a little bit bigger than their real-world equivalents, mm -hmm. but now we're finally dealing with a case of them being surprisingly restrained yeah. in the design um, and the scale. 
Um, and I will say that, you know, this is another case of the show having a weird sense of scale, is that Arbok in the show definitely looks way bigger than 11 feet. Yeah. Like, he stands, like, Arbok, I recall in the show, standing up, like, erect, with his hood open, would be taller than Jesse, and still have a good amount of his tail and length coiled behind him. So, I mean, the implication there is that Jesse's Arbok was about 20 feet long, hmm. but... To kind of focus on Ekans a little bit, I mean, I think he's so friendly looking for a snake. Yeah, uh, again, going back to the Pokemon cards, the image that they had on one of them, I think it was in Jungle Expansion as well, uh, and that's become kind of the common image for Ekans, is kind of just like out, fully extended, kind of uh, curvy, and it's just got its mouth open, like not angry, just kind of like, hey. Yeah, a little, fr little friendly. I mean, he just looks like the friendliest little purple semen of a snake. Yeah. And it's I mean, got those great cartoon snake colors too, like purple and yellow. Yeah, and so this is a so this is an interesting thing that like also with like the Team Rocket duo that I hadn't thought of until we were preparing for this episode is the fact that both Jesse and James focused on having being a duo with only poison types. Yeah. So they were just like the TV show's living embodiment of an idiot duo with <laughs> a, that are married to a single type of Pokemon, mm. kind of like the swimmers or you know. The rich boys on SS Anne, yeah, liking fancy rare Pokemon that can't do anything. <laughs> well, I think, I think I haven't watched the show in ages, obviously, but I think they have changed their Pokemon over the course of the twenty years that this anime has been going. So I know Jesse had a Wobbuffet at one point that would just pop out at the worst times, and also let's talk about how like although these two always lost and their poor coughing and Ekans always lost those two pokemon willed themselves to evolve because they love jesse and james so much yeah honestly that was a case of lovable loser status that i really got choked up by yeah, in the show it's true um yeah because i mean and they were it was it was valid but i mean you know talk about picking a type with very little going for it um you know there are very few i can't think of too many other straight poison types in gen one i think the only other one i can think of other than ekans and uh coughing coughing arm is muck yeah yeah that's true. those are, that's the and poison is a type that has a weakness against four different other types so if you're taking a straight poison type you're weak against four types ghost ground rock and other poisons, apparently. And then Steel is completely immune to poison. Yep. However, I think the one upside to having a poison-type Pokemon is that all of their moves can poison, which just means you're getting even more damage done to your opponent. True. So there is the one upside to the poison as a type. But I, but you know, I will just say, you know, to kind of keep, to kind of keep on, to get back on the design thing, I am a fan of Ekans design I think it's I think it's just you know a really cute snake um, I was that kid with a pet snake back in high school um, I did not have something as cool as a boa constrictor but I did have like a little field snake that I caught I called him Seymour <laughs> that's cute yeah I think of the six we're looking at this time Arbok is the best design that is just an easy call it's got it's the first time since uh like the original starters basically mm -hmm. that we've had one where it's just like oh this is weird recognizable but weird and mm -hmm. interesting like i love the scary face it's got on its hood yep which apparently depending on the pokedex you read it there are either like variants of it or it's able to change the face ever so slightly which is always a weird thing and fun so yeah so i really like arbok as a design yeah and i think we'll uh so this will kind of you know, to parallel the whole thing about Jesse and James being their own form of lovable loser with the fact that their Pokemon evolved for them just to get them to like them more. Mm -hmm. uh, Arbok and Weezing are also both given away by Jesse and James later in the show. Yeah. Um, just the same way Ash does with his Pokemon, they let their Arbok and Weezing go to protect a herd of Arbok and Coughing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or Ekans and Coughing. Mm -hmm. um, which apparently, I guess, they are they have like a symbiosis in the wild which is interesting yeah um but there are also weird theories on where coughing come from in the wild oh we'll be well. getting to that 
in due time i'm sure yeah so i think after so guys i think after this episode just to give you just to we may not be able to preview it at the end of this episode but after this episode darling and i will talk about where in the episode order and planning we want to put our poke fan theory episode where we discuss maybe some of our favorite pokemon fan theories from the games the shows and the overall pokemon lore um we may do it like a countdown style like top five okay that's like an idea that. You know, I want to. I guess let's lead this into mod, into mod mods because you know what I'm going to say about Arbok in terms of a mod for him, and I'll make mm. that kind of my mod mod for the day. So, to remind the listeners, mod mods is the section where we pick a Pokemon or Pokemon family for the day that we would make one single change to um, that we think would improve the game, the Pokemon, whether it's design, typing, or you know something like that. Um, so, darling, I'll let you lead off since I've Ooh. got a bit of a loaded one. Because, like, I can't pick the rats because they've already been modified. Mm-hmm. And I think the, I think the Alolan rat family is brilliantly done. You're not stressed well, that so enough. Well, I'm going to play contrarian but, here. Okay. We already have, you know, the Eevee family that has so many variations added to it, generation okay. after generation. Uh-huh. What if you could add another sort of if light could... variation to the rat family? Okay. Well... I'm not sure I want to go with the rat family. I think what I do is I would find a way to make Spiro, like, not Spiro, but Firo, more spiky. Like, I don't know what Firo would look like, but I know that I would want it to look more in line with its pre-evolved form. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, give it a better, maybe, like, just to go off of you, I think yeah. color, like color design, and this mm. is a pretty simple one. Like, I said that the best thing about Spiro is that cool color the black the red yeah the red and black is great the red black and the you know tan whatever you want to call them yeah um you know and i think that may that may be partial to it as i mentioned i was uh, born in trinidad and the trinidadian flag colors are red white and black so that color combination is pretty damn close <laughs> to my native flag um but for me you know i'm gonna cheat a little bit on today's mon mods and bring to light something uh that you know in Doing the research for today's episode, I was checking to see which of the Pokemon on today's episode have Mega Evolutions, things like that, that we can discuss. Um, Arbok, none of them do, officially. However, there is a fan-made alternate Pokemon set in a non-canon region called Tandor. Um, And this... Yeah, that sounds like a non-canon region. It's a, it's a Pokemon version. It's called Pokemon Uranium. It's available for download for free online if you'd like to look into it. Um, but this Pokemon version, um, it takes some interesting steps with a store with the story and with where Pokemon come from, what evolution actually means, and it adds in the nuclear type <laughs> to the whole dynamic of the Pokemon universe. So I'd recommend looking into this if you're really interested in finding something kind of alternative to play. Um, but evolution is caused by radiation and mutation rather than, you know, what we are talking about scientifically in terms of Darwinistic evolution with these Pokemon. So in Pokemon Uranium, you can use a radioactive core called Arbokite to evolve into a Mega Arbok. And I was actually looking it up to see, you know, again, going through the sizes and the fact that last week with the, uh, with the Pidgeot family and the Pidgey family, we had real-world equivalencies up to a fossilized, gigantic bird. Yes. So I was checking to see, well, you know, knowing that Arbok is only 11 feet long, when we in the real world have snakes that get up to three times that length. I'm just laughing at only 11 feet. I, <laughs> no, it would only it would be only 11 feet until I saw it in person. <laughs> That's when it becomes, holy shit, 11 feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was thinking that there should have been another evolutionary stage or a mega evolution that matched up to the kind of honking snakes that we have in the real world so um the pokemon uranium pokedex isn't as detailed as you know this is a labor of love by a fan that programmed this whole thing in game in the game boy environment um but it does have a mega evolution and to note the uh, the mega evolution for arbok uh is a dark poison type that's a good combo that's a good which combo. yeah i double checked the types Ooh. and it's pr- it is op um, now, I don't know how OP it is outside of the existing type chart. Um, with nuclear added to the type <laughs> chart as a type, that raises some questions about that dual type's viability. Mm. 
I mean, in the real type chart, I can tell you, like, having dark on a poison completely eliminates the psychic weakness, which is great. Bingo. Yeah. So that's my uh, so that's my mon mod for the day. I think um, I'm actually going to play off that a little bit uh, because I just remembered this. I'd love if we could. There are no poison psychic types, probably because that might be too OP a combination. But I think it could be fun if Arbok was part psychic because so much of the lore around it talks about how it uses its the face on its hood to distract mm -hmm. and confuse and everything, which sounds to me like a psychic. I actually really dig that idea. And I mean, you know, I've talked about the fact that like so much of the typing and things like that seems to derive from more esoteric and organic thinking rather than, you know, a like I thought the bug type strength against resistance to psychic was more derived from bugs having hive mind than, mm. you know, something like that. But um, um like a fear of bugs. Yeah. So so I'm down with that. So let's uh, so let's jump into Mon's World, which I think is going to be a pretty fast one today. Mon's mm. World. If these Pokemon existed in the real world, I mean, you know, I'm going to say we already I already made the likeness to the Rattata Pokedex entries <laughs> being just like regular rats in New York. I mean, they're mm. on the bigger side of what rats are like in the real world. But Except again, these are rats that can eat buildings, apparently. Exactly. So I mean, we're talking about a little bit difference, a little bit of a difference on the insurance industry. Um, <laughs> You know, the, these things exist in the real world. Mm. Um, you know, they, mm. Spiro and Firo, we already have condors. We already have, you know, sparrows in the real world. Um, you know, we have birds that are the size of seagulls flying around cities. You know, I don't see anything unusual. What we don't have are snakes that are as a standard six to seven feet long. Like I started, this is part of the reason why I started with the coral snake is that even the most dangerous snakes in the world still are pretty small. And I mean, there's some, and you know, some of those other snakes, you know, I mentioned um, the coral snake, the copperhead, and even the rattlesnake. Those, those are three of the most dangerous and infamous snakes that we can think of that are smaller than, if not about the same size as an Ekans. Um, you know, and then we do have snakes that are bigger, but my point being simply is, is that I don't think an Ekans is that unusual a snake. Mm. Um, I think that it would very much coexist within our ecosystem and I've lived out in California where rattlesnakes exist yeah. and I've never seen one um, you know I think that I could go probably live in this Pokemon world and be just as surprised to see an Ekans someday um, you know, know Pokemon Go is any indicator there are Ekans left and right out here in LA exactly um, <laughs> I'm just apparently not walking around in the tall grass enough um, or my little hound hound hour is scaring them off for me Aww. Um, yeah she uh She's she's level seven now. She recently celebrated her seventh uh, anniversary of being rescued, so she's almost ready to level up to a Houndoom. You know, and then the Arbok thing, you know, we're talking about King Cobras exist in the real yeah. world, I think, you know. Well, although apparently since it's got such constriction power, I think you could see this being used in demolition, just like the rats. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. uh, according to the Rufmi Sapphire and Emerald Pokedex, Arbok can flatten steel oil drums with its constriction. So, okay. yeah, I'm seeing a lot of demolition work for our Pokemon this week. So The Spiro family, just useless. Yeah, I think so. I think that's actually, uh, you know, or maybe, they, uh, maybe they're used to make, like, as trash compactors and, like, garbage bags or something like mm. that. Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's move on to Mon Appetit. Yes. I think we got to put the same constriction on this episode as we did the last episode. Um, so we have to eat two Pokemon from different families. Because come on, we both want the Spearow. Neither yeah, of us wants the Spearow. Here's the thing, though. One of these is literally a poison-type family. Again, I say that you eat blowfish. Um, you know, I would I would go with a... And this is a recommendation for a local place in our area, so darling, I'll go first. Um, I would like an Ekans hot dog. Um, there is a place, Worst Cooch, in our city that serves rattlesnake hot dogs. Um, that is a poisonous snake, hmm. which I've already pointed out. Rattlesnake, diamond rattlers get to be about eight feet, so this is a longer snake than an Ekans. That is <laughs> e probably even more deadly than an Ekans is in that world, because guess what? Ekans bite you and you get poisoned. You can run all the way back to the Pokemon Center before you get in <laughs> any trouble. Rattlesnake bites you, you're barely making it back to your car. So, yeah, and we make, and we make sausages out of their meat. True. Um, so I don't meat on them, lack of bones. 
Exactly. So I don't see any reason why we couldn't then do the same with an Ekin. So I'm going to go with an Ekin sausage, a uh, little, little baguette. A little baguette with uh, you mm -hmm. know some good Dijon mustard, maybe a little garlic aioli, um, with a side of Belgian fries and <laughs> a, uh, and some Spiro nuggets. Here's the thing: the Spiro is tiny though. The Firo has that belly. Like yeah, there's a lot of meat on that Firo. And I might have to go with you on the Ekins uh, because like, I made that sound good, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And also, I just can't see myself eating any rats. <laughs> the rats just look horrible. They do not look like good eating. The first one is too stringy. The other one's too fat. Yeah. Like, although yeah. I do want to just add Ekins. What does it eat? We've discussed before that Ekins eats pidgeys. It also preys on Spiros. And it eats their eggs. Although hilariously in the Moon Pokedex entry, it says that if a Spiro or Pidgey egg gets stuck, an Ekins will faint initially, like immediately. <laughs> like if the egg is too fat, they'll just keel over and be like, I'm knocked out for now. That is adorable. Mm. So yeah, so I guess I'm eating snake and fat bird. So that being said, uh, darling, I think we're done this week, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, well, let's see. Let's just talk about next week. Next week, we're just taking it slow. We got two mice families. We got us the Pikachu line, which we will be talking about at length since it is, it's Pikachu. I mean, there's a lot to say about that little yellow guy. Yeah, we're not just talking about the Pokemon in this case. We're talking about an icon. We're talking about the mascot. We're talking yeah. about the thing that they put in in Smash Brothers as here is your Pokemon. Okay, so then next week we will be going through those two families. They're Alolan variants and uh, talking about a cultural movement. Yeah, that so that's became. the Pikachu line and the Sandshrew line. Two mice families, four Pokemon, because... Where we are in the line, Pichu does not exist yet. This is true, and we'll be getting to some kind of retconning later on with Pichu. I think it's the first kind of retcon Pokemon that we'll be encountering. I think so too. I think it's the first like addition that they make to an established family. But that's not until we get to Gold and Silver, and that's still a long previews ways away. on previews on previews, folks. So we'll have news for you on that Poke Fan Theory episode next time we come back. But for now, I'm Yonato Blue, and I'm Michael Darling. Thanks so much for joining us on Mon Men. Times are strange. We gotta free upgrade for snakes on a plane.